0: Imagine for a minute selling more than a million dollars worth of a product in about an hour's time. Why should you get paid for something like that? Or What would you learn from that experience and how could you repeat that with other clients? Our guest for today's episode of the Copywriter Club podcast did exactly that. Copywriter and customer journey strategist, Tara Lassiter helped sell a million dollars of lotion on QVC and made $100 for her effort. She joined us to share how that experience along with the Copywriter Accelerator and a great network that she has built around her helped launch her career as a copywriter. We think you're going to like this episode.
1: But first, this podcast is sponsored by the Copywriter Accelerator. Shocking, right? Uh, Tara was a member. She's an Accelerator alumni member. So you'll hear a little bit more about the program in this conversation. Um, but before that, it is a five month coaching and mastermind program for copywriters who want to build a profitable copywriting business. And get closer to the 10k a month mark. If you feel like that could be you and you want the support and the systems and the blueprints to help you get there along with coaching from the two of us and the support of a tight-knit community, like we've bundled it all into the Copywriter Accelerator and we know it works because we've been doing it for five years now. So if you have any interest, you can jump onto the wait list and we will drop the link to that in the show notes. So it starts a long time ago, a little over a
2: decade ago. Um, In my past life, I was a model and an actress and my main client was QVC. There was one particular show, an hour long show. where I had rubbed lotion all over my body for an hour. (laughs) And (laughs) And at the end of the hour, everyone started to cheer. And it was because we had sold a million dollars worth of body butter. And I started to cheer and cheer and cheer. And then it dawned on me that I had made a hundred bucks in that million dollar hour. And I wasn't like jealous or anything, but I was so intrigued. Like, how did they make a million dollars in an hour? And so I started to do research on buyer psychology and marketing, and it led me to copywriting because I didn't even know what the word was. And I understood that there were triggers that were happening within the hour while we were on television that encouraged people to buy. So I started buying copywriting courses and books. I bought John Carlton's, I think it's called like kick-ass copywriter in like 2014 or something like that. i just pulled up the receipt. So I've been reading like books and doing courses. But modeling was kind of golden handcuffs, so I enjoyed it, and I worked with people that I loved, and it wasn't a bad gig. It paid well, and it was really flexible. I got to travel, so it was really cool. So I wasn't able to pursue copywriting until the pandemic shut everything down. And then there were a lot of castings that disappeared, and the ones that were, they would say, you need to show proof that you had COVID already because before there were vaccines, they wanted to make sure that there was a bit of a bubble. So because I didn't have that, I couldn't work. And that gave me time to jump back into the books and into the courses and to say, all right, well, this is it's now or never. I'm going to try this out. And That's what I did, really. I just started going back online, taking courses, reaching out to people that I knew, writing anything. I'd always been the person in the family who wrote like cover letters and resumes for everyone, LinkedIn profiles, just anything I could get my hands on. To try to start getting some practice.
0: I want to hear more about QVC. So you know, I know you do that a bit. I've I've read Anthony Sullivan's book. You get what you pitch for, which is all about like his experience at QVC and selling on QVC. Uh Were you just modeling? Were you did you have speaking parts? Were you know what were you doing to sell again? Like, yeah, I know you only made a hundred dollars for that hour, but like selling a million dollars of the product, even though I, you said it was a big deal, like that feels like a really big deal. So yeah. what was, yeah. What was the role?
2: So they were experimenting a lot with what models could do because we were basically personalities that the people at home could relate to. So I did, I was able to speak sometimes, but a lot of times it was just silent. A lot of what I learned came from behind the scenes because QVC is very particular about who goes on air. They're very particular about their audience. So a lot of times the founder of the company was who came to sell their own products. So if I worked for Martha Stewart that day, I worked with Martha Stewart and I would always ask, what's your favorite book? You know what I mean? Can I hear your story, Uh, classes, podcasts that you listen to, anything? I will always try to pick their brains and see what got them to that point. And that's really what helped me to understand marketing strategy on a grand scale because I wasn't content with just being a model. I always wanted to see the journey for the person behind the business. And I got to actually reach out and touch them. It's a small place. It's not like The celebrities are separate from the regular people. So I got to really interact with a lot of cool people and ask questions and go out to dinner and try products before they went on air. So it was a very experimental role.
1: So you were in multiple QVC campaigns and promotions, not just that one.
2: Oh, definitely. I was there for 12 years and I was usually there between like 10, 20 hours a week. So 10 or 20 shows for over a decade, every week. So I kind of lived there. I spent my 20s there. It's where I grew up.
1: Have you written a book about this yet? No,
2: no I, re- I just read Jill Sugarman's book, though.
1: I don't know. I feel like this is a book. There's I feel like definitely it's a, book.
0: a book here, for sure. In the that's
1: meantime, book. <laughs> the book can be this interview, but that's yes. fascinating. So um, now I have so many different questions. Um, one is, let's just talk about the triggers, because you started with that specific promotion for that lotion. Mm-hmm. What were some of the triggers that contributed to the million dollar that million dollar campaign?
2: Definitely they used a lot of one time only, which would be a price that was only available for a short period of time that now I know is scarcity. There was also lots of bundling going on so you got a value based on buying groups of products together and they were able to bake in profit that way. Um the countdown timers and how many sold in an hour for some social proof and that kind of pressure. So I saw in the end, all of those like copywriting things that now I'm like, oh yeah, that happens at every webinar, but it's essentially a 24 hour webinar that's happening. And then the product just changes every six, eight, 12 minutes, but essentially it's just a live webinar that's happening all day and all night.
0: Yeah. I, I love that as you, know, when I got my start, especially, you know, was before the internet was huge, right? So a lot of direct response television is kind of where, you know, I would sort of learn it. And of course, QVC is basically hour after hour. And so anyway, I love the lessons that you pull from that because it is, a sales page an hour, right? And and what they're doing in video echoes a lot of what we do in email sales pages today. So good takeaway. So let's talk about how you, how you then took that. And you, you said that, you know, you read a couple of books, you started really saying, this is the time. How did you go out, find your first clients, like starting your own business? What did that look like?
2: It started out with me just reaching out to my network. People knew. So check a little bit. Once I got a taste of I could use marketing to make money outside of QVC, I started an Amazon store with my husband. And we started to resell products that were overstocked from certain parts of the country and put them on Amazon. And typically people would buy them in the other part of the country where they were out of stock or if they were discontinued. And I became known like in our family and in our friends network as someone who knew how to sell things. So I would write our own Amazon product pages. I started playing around with their sponsored ads and i was i just basically said hey i'm trying this new thing can i write something to sell you can i write your cover letter can i write your resume that's really what it started with and i kind of hit a wall and i didn't know how to transition from family and friends to my general network and i realized in hindsight it was just because i didn't have confidence on the benefit that i was offering them So, like, I knew that I could do this, but I didn't understand how to create it into an offer and sell myself or my services as something specific because I was still using that generic copywriter title. So, I was just like, I'll do anything, but they didn't know what they needed necessarily. And I didn't, that didn't leave me with a lot of confidence. So, I needed to specialize and really drill down into okay, what are the parts of copywriting that I'm good at? What are the things that I'm doing for clients? That are helping them get results. And how can I say that? And that's really where the accelerator helped me to really hone in on how do I sell myself and my services in a very specific way instead of just saying, I'll go on Upwork, I'll write your brochure, I'll, um, I, I did like beauty websites for hairstylists and things like that. Like I'll write anything. What that was the bridge that took me from whatever you want, I'll write it. If it sells, I'll write it to this is what I'm really, really good at and I've gotten these results.
1: So what are some concrete steps you took in the accelerator program to start moving in that direction? Because I think it's easy for us to know that it helps to be specific and to not show up as a generalist, but there's a lot of mindset trash that gets in the way. There are a lot of uh, roadblocks. So what did you do to transition?
2: I love the X-Factor module. Like, I really, really loved it. And I love the opportunity to brag because it's not my nature, right? Like, I'm used to... I don't know if people think QVC is cool. Like I I sell granny sweaters or like, I don't, I I knew it wasn't something that everyone did. And I didn't know if people thought Amazon was cool. Maybe they had hate Jeff Bezos. Like I wasn't really sure how to like (laughs) speak about myself. So it gave me permission to just say, I've done all these things, whether you think they're cool or not. And then to connect the dots between QVC and Amazon and Back in the day when I was, you know, a shot girl with promotions and clubs and things like that, like talking to strangers, getting to know people on a personal level very quickly, and connecting the dots between where they are and where they want to go. I had to figure out that and how to say that. And what is it that I'm doing? And why is it that I'm good at resumes? Oh, because I'm a good listener. And what are you doing? You are seeing what the other person can't see in themselves and show and highlighting that. So That module definitely gave me the opportunity to just connect the dots between all of my skills, the things people ask me for, and to pay attention to this is what I'm good at and to say it and not feel ashamed. And it was a safe space that I didn't have to do it in public because I wasn't ready to like change my LinkedIn or put a whole website together while I tried things. So it was a safe space in the the doc to just be like, all right, these are all the things you do. Now let's workshop it.
0: So Talking about it from that standpoint, it kind of sounds like the changes you're making were more mindset oriented than actual changes in your business. And that's obviously not the only thing that the accelerator focuses on. We do talk about website and all that, but what other mindset changes did you make as you were going through that process?
2: Oh, I was so happy you are asking that because I started taking notes, right? Because I had to like sit and think like, what are the things that I was thinking before that I wish I knew now? The first thing you can date a decision, meaning we're going through the accelerator and you're going to make decisions, but you're not marrying them. They're not legally binding. They're not set in stone. Try some things out because I was putting so much pressure on myself to make the final decision. OK, you are an email strategist for a while. And I was like, and that's what it's going to be. And you're going to stick to that and you're going to you know put your website out and your LinkedIn and that's what you are but if it's not a good fit, it's okay. You date it and you, you find the next one. That's a good fit. And you pull from that and create the the next opportunity, the next title, the next skill set that is a good fit. So that's the first mindset thing. It was like, you can date a decision. You don't have to marry it. The other thing was that I needed to make decisions based on data and not just like dreams and desires and this like esoteric thing. Cause I would do the blueprints and I would say, this is what I want. This is what I want. Or I would say, I don't know what I want, which is viable. Like lots of people aren't sure what they want, but I do know what people come to me for. I do know what I've done. So I needed to implement while I was doing all of the modules to say, draw from data. What are people asking you? in your discovery calls comb through the transcripts. What are what are you doing? What is the the transformation that you're offering? You're calling this copywriting, but is this actually copywriting? Oh, it's strategy you're really good at strategy. People who are coming to you from leads, from you know TikTok, from my challenge, what are they, what are you actually offering them? Oh, I didn't write any emails. I did tons of strategy sessions. All right. So that gave me data to say, okay, this is what the market wants from me. And then I can move forward with confidence knowing, okay, this is what I really, really do. And also I wish I would have just asked more questions because I was shy and I was afraid of asking the wrong question and being behind or being too far ahead or hogging the space. And now I'm just like, man, you should have just, when you have Rob and Kira's attention, <laughs> you just ask all the questions <laughs> while you can, because afterwards you're going to wish you had. And so those are all mindset things though. The implementation, like you guys lay it out really clearly, and it's something I returned to over and over again, even as I pivoted, it was the mindset that really helped me back.
1: It's because Rob is so
2: intimidating.
1: That's why That's why you didn't uh, ask I,
0: I am clearly the problem here.
1: Sure. Oh, yes. Well, you course. know what? We had like our, it was
2: like our meet and greet, the first one. And I was in Rob's group and I was literally shaking. So like, it was my first time <laughs> talking to new people since the pandemic. Like I had been home with my husband and my kids in my home for years. And it was like, I was shaking. And I remember I said, Rob, how do you get it all done? And he said, I don't. I just was like...
0: It is that is the sad, one of the saddest things that's ever been said about me is yeah no I, no no the, the, the facade isn't good. real <laughs> no
2: yeah. it just made me feel comfortable that you were real and that you were going to be like well I wake up at four a.m. and I don't see my kids well, he does <laughs> yeah not you know
0: not I mean. four but but I think you I think you're right Tara that uh I mean while we're talking about this like it is true I think a lot of people show up as these gurus these experts is like, you do it my way. I'll get you to whatever. And that's clearly not what we teach in the accelerator. It's like you do it your way and yeah, nobody gets it all done. I I think it's important to say that more than once. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets it all done. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. And this is some great advice, mindset advice. So you mentioned your TikTok challenge. Mm -hmm. Where does that fit in to your accelerator experience? How does that fit in? How do you get the idea to do it? What is that about? So that actually came to me at TCC IRL. So, and I kind of joined, I paid
2: for it before I started the Accelerator. And because I was new to like copywriting as a whole, I didn't even know what I really paid for. I just was like, I think I want to go. Like something draw it, it just drew me to you too. And I was like, you need to go be around these people. Go meet them, go see what they're about. And at the VIP session, I was in the hot seat and I knew in my head that I would continue to do resumes and cover letters and websites for random fields or e-commerce email, which wasn't lighting me up, but I I could do it. Or I could stick a stake in the ground and say, all right, I'm going to do something different. So in front of the room, I said, I'm going to do a TikTok challenge. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to stop hiding behind my laptop and I'm going to show my personality. I'm going to be on screen again because this is what I'm supposed to do. You've been on screen for 10 years. Why are you hiding all of a sudden? So I committed to a hundred days and I did 30 days. And in those 30 days, I got so many leads and questions, one about like skincare and beauty, but also about strategy that I was like, this is the data that I need, that people you're talking about email, but they're asking you to connect the dots, not just on email, but how email fits into their entire marketing strategy. So I didn't want to continue for a hundred days, ignoring what they were asking for. So I want, I took the challenge from TikTok to Upwork. And I want to import Upwork and I did a pitch a day for 30 days. And I started out pitching copywriting general. And then the last week, oh, and I got crickets, by the way. So this was good thing I had gone through auditions my whole life and I was used to hearing no, because it was literally, I was pouring my soul into these like personalized cover letters and making my own samples for every Upwork. And it was just, it was crickets the whole time for anything copywriting. So I started to apply for funnel strategy jobs. And I got the first one I sent, it was like right away. The second one I sent, she booked me for a strategy session. And I was like, okay, so this is the data that I need to tell me that that is the direction to go And general copywriter for whatever reason doesn't fit me. People see me, they see my profile and they're like, that's not what she does. And I still don't know what it is, but I guess I don't need to. But I know that if I say, I will help you with your customer journey, I will help you with your marketing plan, your marketing strategy, people are like, shut up and take my money. So I use that to start working with new clients. And that's what I've been doing for the remainder of the year. That was this summer that I did that TikTok and then upward Challenge. And then I've been working with two clients, basically building out their whole customer journey. And I love it. Like it's the thing I like to do, the frameworks and naming things and funnels and products and all those things that like make me excited. I figured it out. And TCC IRL was the catalyst to me not thinking anymore into doing. And once I started doing, it gave me the information I needed to know if I was going in the right direction or not.
0: Tara, what advice would you give to somebody who might be thinking, well, of course, Tara can do TikTok. She's a model. She's been <laughs> on TV. She's got all of these advantages. I'm more like Rob, uh, clearly not a model, has oh. you know, no, no, none of those kinds of experiences, but Maybe I'm thinking, you know, I want to show up in a bigger way for an audience like what you did. What advice would you give them in order to get started and to get some traction there?
2: Know that first being a model is not a prerequisite because actually being a real person is what's attractive. Um, There's something, especially because of what's happening with influencers and we don't believe them anymore because they've lied so much. There's a lot more attractive to just be yourself Be a little weird, be a little disheveled. Don't have a full face of makeup. Like you can't be too perfect because it sends off signals that you're trying to sell people or you might be like a snake oil salesman. So it's actually a good thing to just be yourself. And I think you should also start small. So you don't have to do a 30-day challenge, but maybe just introduce yourself and say, hi, I'm Rob Marsh and this is what I offer. And even if you're not ready for TikTok, put that on your LinkedIn, put that on your website. Just give yourself like a bite-sized taste of the familiarity that customers can get even before they meet you by just giving them a little bit of video. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be a 90 minute video. It doesn't have to be an hour. You don't even have to have shoes on. I don't have shoes on right now. You just have to show up in the tiniest way. And people really appreciate hearing your voice, the tone of voice. They can feel your energy, the excitement that you get when you talk about what you're doing, all of those things it's really hard to you can't feel it through typing, like when they're reading your words. But once you start speaking, people are like, "I get it.
1: That's mm, it. I like yeah. that
2: person." So you're really shortening that that um, stages of awareness to so getting people to be in your biggest fans.
1: Start small. Yeah. So Rob, you don't have to brush your hair. You don't have to worry about that anymore.
0: It's, no, it's, it? it's nice knowing that I haven't been doing my makeup and I'm not going mean, to start.
1: So let it go. Let it go. I'm <laughs> going to stop brushing my hair. <laughs> I I think that is really great advice. So it's, it's a relief to hear that. Um, you know, you mentioned feeling shy on the first accelerator call. Um, I'm just curious, like how you've been able to work through this types of visibility, whether it's QVC or showing up on TikTok, showing up in your business as an introvert. Cause I know you're an introvert, like the yes. two of us. And so <laughs> what has helped you? I mean, cause you would almost think as a model, like you would be used to doing this and comfortable. So what else can help introverts who are listening, who are struggling?
2: So I actually didn't figure this out myself, but through the coffee chats that we were assigned through the accelerator, I also met with Charlotte Davies. So she was in our group as well with Mark Rob. And so we set up a chat to talk later. And she said to me when we were on our chat, she said, Tara, why don't you just create copywriter Tara, like create a role. And then when you're online, you're copywriter, Tara, and then close your laptop and you can go back to being yourself. And I was just like, <sighs> why didn't I think of that? I've been putting myself in roles my entire life. So I just create a persona. I've created the things I want to talk about, the energy that I want to have, how I want to look. I usually wear pink. Like it's just what I do. And it makes me feel ready for being online and showing up as a business owner. And then when it's over, I close my laptop and I can go back to being a homeschool mom and it's fine.
1: Well, as a, as a follow-up to that, how, how do you re-energize? Because copywriter Tara might drain you mm-hmm. and copywriter Kira drains me. Mm-hmm. So like, what do you do to
2: refuel the tank? Yeah. So um, we haven't mentioned this, but I'm a homeschool mom and my day is in blocks. So I recently flipped them most days of the week. I work in the morning and then I give myself either a 12 to one or a one to two transition period. And I'll listen to a podcast. I'll take a shower. I'll walk the dog. I'll eat lunch with my kids. Any kind of sometimes I take a nap because I'm just like I talked way too much and I can't do anything. But I just take that time. I take an hour and I transition from copywriter Tara to mom and wife. And that transition period is even though I'm only taking a couple steps out of my office, it's the the physical transformation that I need to turn back into myself. And it's just the few moments that I need to not feel like I'm drained when I'm talking to my
0: kids. So you mentioned, you know, going through the accelerator and some of the changes that you made, but the accelerator is a process that only lasts four or five months. And then it's over Mm -hmm. building a business lasts a lot longer than that. And so I know for a fact, you've gone back and revisited some of the stuff and kind of rethought what you did in the accelerator. Talk about that process just a little bit.
2: So one, before you do the accelerator, put the modules in a folder so that you're not searching all the time like I am, because I just recently did this and it's made it so much easier. Like this is module one, module two, name everything, and then make copies of them. Sometimes I'll print them out. I like colored pens and highlighters and I'll like physically write in the things that I need to do and make it pretty, cut the paper up, move it around. Um, I just realized that it's something that I can make my own and that I It doesn't have to be set in stone. Like I said before, I could date it. So I just take bits and pieces and I focus on those things at specific times when I feel like I need it most. The other thing that helps is having theme days. So I know if it's like a marketing day, I know that I need to go into the marketing module and remind myself all right, these are the things you, these are the ideas you had, these are the things you said you were going to commit to. Because sometimes I sit down and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, how do I start an outline again? Like, where do I, where do, do I research first? Like, it's just, it helps to have everything outlined. I have onboarding outlined. I have my entire process outlined. And that was all things that I did in the accelerator. And when I have those brain fogs, I just return to them and say, okay, you did this work already. So just remind yourself, okay, and now you can plug these tasks into Google Tasks. And it it saves me from having to reinvent the wheel.
1: Okay let's break in here. Let's just break in here. So Rob, what what really struck a chord with you? What, I was going to say struck you fancy. That's not how that Struck goes. my fancy? Struck, <laughs> struck you. you fancy. What stru- I've never used that phrase, but I've I'm not going to use that phrase. Having okay. some
0: trouble with words today.
1: Words are so hard. Um, what grabbed your attention? What, what hooked you?
0: Yeah, there were there were a couple of things. So obviously, Tara's story about QVC is kind of funny, especially when we know how big that organization is, how much their hosts, their famous hosts, make doing it, and that Tara was only able to you know make hundred dollars. Obviously, she wasn't doing all of the selling. She was part of the program. She was a model. But knowing that her participation in something like that generated that much money is eye-opening, right? And I think there's a lot of things that QVC does in particular. Maybe we should do an entire episode about them and and the process of selling, uh, which is applicable to sales pages, sales emails, a lot of the content that most of our listeners will be working on, it still also works. But um, that buyer psychology, understanding your buyer, demonstrating benefits and there's so many demos that you know qvc does owning the conversation and really showing up with facts knowing your product inside and out the way they do and then using stories to sell uh all of those are really powerful sales techniques that most of us should be doing more of I, uh, I read last year um, a book by uh, Anthony Sullivan. Uh, he's one of the big stars at QVC, um, all about pitching. It's a fantastic book and kind of goes into that process that Tara was talking about. So yeah, I that just kind of zinged a part of my brain and just said, ah, this is really interesting stuff going on here.
1: Yeah, I love the fact that she had that realization. Wow, QVC just made a million dollars and I made a hundred bucks because I think even if we have not been, a model on QVC, or like even brought in, worked with a client who brought in that much money. Um, I think it's still relatable. I have felt that way many times with clients, um, clients I love too, who have a success, which is what we want. And then in the back of your mind, you're like, well, maybe you know what's what's really in it for me like if i can help them do this then what else can i achieve and so i think her reaction is a reaction that we see and we hear about in the copywriter community where we i think are all realizing that we have this skill set that will allow us to to maybe create the next qvc and to create these larger platforms using our creativity and our our superpowers and so we don't have to necessarily take the hundred bucks an hour. We can get the whole million dollars. That's what we want, right? We want the million dollars.
0: And I mean, you know, maybe it's not a million dollars. Maybe it's, you know, we just helped the client do a six figure launch. Maybe they made a half a million dollars and we charged you know, three thousand dollars for a sales page and a few emails, or, or something. And it's at no. Some I want point,
1: the million dollars. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, at some point, you have to look at it, and say, "Wait, my skills helped build this. It wasn't all of it, but helped build this uh, need." You know, as people are reading the the emails or the sales page or whatever for the product, I should be getting more than that. And that's actually one of the things we do teach in depth in the accelerator when we talk about pricing and how to price for the value you create.
1: So, Rob, I also liked how Tara was talking about um, reaching out to family and friends and to really how she really got her business going and that she realized that she was struggling with her confidence and it was the confidence in selling the benefit. And I think this is a really common struggle when copywriters are starting out. Um, Even when we aren't starting out and we've been doing it for a while, we often talk about the deliverables we write, like, oh, I write emails, or I I just, I write copy, and we leave it as general. Or I can write, even worse, like, I can write anything that you need. I can do all the things. And then we wonder why clients aren't actually hiring us, and why our name isn't being passed around. It's because we aren't actually putting a benefit in front of them. And so she, she was able to really figure out what is the true benefit that I'm selling to these, these potential clients, friends and family. And um, that's what built her confidence once she realized that benefit. And I do think that's something that's missing for, for many of us at different stages is like, what is the benefit I'm giving? And can I speak to that rather than talking about the deliverables that I'm writing or what my title is? And people are supposed to just get the value I'm a copywriter, you should just want to hire me because I'm a copywriter.
0: Yeah, along with that, uh, the thing that I got from the Amazon storefront experience that Tara was talking about is one of the best ways to build the skills that we need and that we sell to our clients is actually do the thing for ourselves. And, you know, in setting up an Amazon storefront, Tara has to figure out, you know, what's what, what are the benefits? How do I connect with the audience? And you go through that for a product that is your own business product, it becomes a lot easier to take that skill that you're building for your own business and apply it into other clients' businesses as well. And it doesn't have to be e-commerce, you know, Amazon. It, it can be um, selling yourself online. And it's exceptionally hard to write about ourselves. Uh, you know, we we all I think struggle with that, or most of us struggle with that as copywriters. But the exercise of going through and figuring out what is unique about your business, how do you stand out, what is the niche that you serve, what are the products that solve a real problem for your clients—all of those things. Which again, we, I, I'm. This is going to sound kind of. Um, promotional or whatever, we teach all of that in the accelerator. But all of those things are things that then once you do that for yourself, you can take that and start applying in your clients' businesses. And that's exactly what Tara did. Um, and in doing the thing, you build the confidence that you were talking about.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's like, I mean, it's in a way we are doing that uh, with the Copywriter Club and you've, you've had other businesses, and so you've, had, you've developed that skill through building your other businesses um that's something that i think we can all do it doesn't you don't have to build the copywriter club you could build whatever business that looks like um i was tinkering and building other businesses that were not as successful before we we worked on this one but i know that i am a better copywriter and a better marketing strategist for my clients when i when i'm working with my clients i show up differently Because of all the work that we do and all the learning that I can extract from building the Copywriter Club. And I think that does make us more valuable as specialists and as marketers. And so, like you said, you can do that in many different ways. And Tara figured out how to do that through the Amazon shop, which is really cool, Um, but it does make you more powerful at what you do.
0: Another thing that really stood out to me is Tara's talking, uh, the idea that she said came out of the accelerator, the idea that you can date a decision, you don't have to marry your decisions. And I think this shows up in a big way when people are choosing niches. People do not want to lean into a niche because they're afraid they're giving up so much work in other industries, other things that might come their way. Uh, and... You know, you and I have repeated this a lot in our business and as we've taught other copywriters, but everything is an experiment and treating your decisions as an experiment, as a date. I'm just trying this out. If it doesn't work out, there are other there are other decisions I can make. There are other things that I can do. There are other niches I can try that mentality, I think, helps us cycle through experiences. And maybe there's some failures that happen along the way, but it's really about getting the experiences that you need in order to move forward in something that's going to work for you personally, work for your business, and work for your clients.
1: Yeah, I think we've associated that type of decision change to being a flaky person. And I think it has a negative connotation, but it doesn't need to have it. And you you can date your decisions, like she said, but set parameters to protect yourself and to help you still feel confident and and control um, and to set some guidelines for yourself it could just be as simple as like i'm going to date my decision to go all in on writing emails for e-commerce and i'm going to give myself six months to just like go all in and maybe make a couple changes to my website and change my linkedin title and introduce myself as an e-commerce, email strategist, to everyone I meet. And then at six months, I will sit down and reevaluate it and maybe decide to date someone else or to date a different decision. And you're still in control. It is There's nothing flaky about that. You can even think through, well, like, how will I evaluate this at the end of six months so I know if it's a good decision, if I want to move forward or if I want to do something else. And so that You are not flaky, you're just um, making really smart decisions as you figure out what's working and what's not working.
0: Yeah, I think the great thing about that approach is you can, as you take that step back and you're evaluating, you're really basing it on the experience, on the data, on what you're able to accomplish. And it's not just, oh, I love this thing, I'm gonna lean into it. That might be a, an okay thing, but of course, you want to evaluate based on what actually happens to your business. If you love something, you lean into it as a niche or as a deliverable or some other facet of your business and it's not working, it it may be valuable to take a step back and say, okay, that's not working. Why not? And look at it there. And it, it's just an easy way to match what you do with what, what the market needs.
1: Yeah. And Tara also talked about making decisions based on data, not just your desires or your dreams, which I think is a really good point too that, um, you know, really following the market and figuring out what the market wants from you is important. And yes, your desires can still play a role. And what you aspire to do is important. But sometimes we ignore the data and what's right in front of us. Like, I know I did that for a while when I was like, oh, I really want to start a business, uh, but I don't know what to do. And meanwhile, I was writing copy for multiple people but I just hadn't called myself a copywriter yet. And so the data was in, and people were asking me for website copy, yet I could not see it, and I was confused. So, um, you know, we all have that type of data available to us where are we possibly overlooking it or not seeing um, what's right in front of us to help us make those decisions?
0: And that goes right along with what she was saying just a little bit later when she talked about the TikTok challenge, how she was showing up as a copywriter and talking about copy and people were not resonating with that title, with that message. But as she started talking about um, customer journey, strategy, that kind of thing, that now people start responding. And so looking at that data um, and then being willing to show up up as something else. You know, uh, she she was talking uh, partly about putting on that mask or that uh, uniform, the title of copywriter you or strategist you as opposed to the, whatever you are in your personal life. And that, um, that uniform or that costume that you get to put on and show up in a different way in your business, I think could be a, a really powerful idea that helps you show up maybe a little bit differently than you would normally, but uh, <laughs> in a way that, that helps your clients get to where they need to go.
1: Yeah, I, in real life, I am grumpy and strict and I'm um, not a whole lot of fun. So I have to make copywriter Kira a little more fun in order <laughs> to keep everything running. But so I, I resonated with that idea. It's like we can create this persona and really step into it. And, that is, and it's OK. It is OK to do that. Um, it helps to do that.
0: Todd Herman's book, The Alter Ego Effect, I think, is uh, all about how to do that, how to make that work for you. It's a really good resource if anybody wants to check that
1: out too. Do you feel like copywriter Rob is different than Rob Rob, Rob?
0: That's a good question. Uh, I don't think so, but uh, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I think podcaster Rob is a little bit different from real world Rob. So you know, maybe you know maybe, I don't know what what we should hire some cameras to follow us around in our real lives. And see. (laughs) all right, we've been talking enough. Let's get back to our interview with Tara and find out how she manages her time.
1: Can you talk to us a little bit more about what you're doing in your business with your clients today? I think you mentioned you have two clients and you're focused Mm -hmm. on the funnel. How... Does that, how do you make it all work together? Because that two clients can feel like a lot, especially if you're working 20 hours and keeping your hours limited. Mm-hmm. How do you make it all work? Well, up until recently, I was working 10 hours, which was even harder. So I would alternate weeks.
2: That was just the easiest thing to do and to create a deliverable that was due for each week. Sometimes I will wake up super early to give myself extra time on top of that 10 hours. Um, but I'm really big into outlining the process beforehand. So I know... The transformation that they need to go through and I know the steps that I need to go through and I literally just check them off the list. So I have everything that I do now is in Asana and when I have a new project, if I'm creating an offer, if I'm creating a funnel, I have a visual representation of all of the steps that are necessary and I can just copy them into a new project and, and check those off the list. That helps keep me on task. I love Brain FM. Like I love locking my door and telling my kids, all right, this is what you can do for this time. Mommy's working. My husband works from home, so it helps too. They know like if the door is shut and they hear talking, not to bars down the door. Um, and the other thing for the client is just staying in contact. So I like to color code things, usually like Roy G. Biv, and I'll break all of the process into different colors. So like say we're in the research phase, in the outline phase, and anytime I'm shifting phases, I'll just put it in colors in the bottom of the email so they know where we're at. So everything will be black, but then... Like let's say research and then planning is second. Planning will be orange and I turn that one orange so they know this is where we're at and this is what I need from you. And I try to over-communicate. So Fridays are like follow-up Fridays. This is what I did this week. These are my plans for next week or the week after that if I'm skipping a week. And this is what I need from you in that week's time so that when it's time to work on your business, I'm ready to go. And that has really helped me.
0: I love hearing about that that from the process side. I'm curious if we flip it around, you know, as you sit down to work with a client, what exactly are you creating for them? And what's your thought process as you're sitting down to write the copy and figure out the strategy for them?
2: So it took me a while to realize that copy was a tactic, but it wasn't the strategy. Like I had to learn to separate them and that copy fits into a plan, but it isn't the plan. So someone who needs copywriting, they don't have a plan. So you have to create the plan first. So that's the that's my favorite part anyway. So I usually create a presentation in Canva and I copy and paste it because I've used it now a few times. And I walk them through creating an offer and it could be a digital offer. It could be a service. It could be, I have an e-commerce client right now. So it might be the next iteration of now will be spring products that she will put in her store and then creating the journey for the customer visually. So this is their traffic services. If you're a service provider, let's say you chose, you know, LinkedIn, TikTok and um, podcasts for this Quarter. And now once they're here, how are we going to get them to client? And I make a visual representation of it and make sure that we don't miss any steps. So if they hear you at the end of the podcast, what is the call to action? Where do you want them to go? And then when they're there, what do you want them to do? And then that's where copy fits in because it's what converts them at each stage of that process. But the plan is the big part. It's like, what are we doing? Where do we want them to go? Where are they now? And how do we want to bring them from, you know, unaware or problem aware to most aware and to client and having a very clear plan for how to bring them there? That's that's my favorite part.
1: What advice would you give to a copywriter um, that's listening and might want to become more of a strategist, but feels anxious isn't quite sure what to do to lean into that piece of it What are one or two things they could do to show up as a strategist with their clients?
2: More discovery calls So as many as you can do like really practice on discovering calls discovery calls listening to what people need because they're not going to say I need typically even if they say I need a sales page they're saying it for a reason I need a sales page to sell this. And then you can go into your copywriting brain and you can say, all right, I know what a sales page is capable of, but what are the other things that support that copywriting asset to help them reach that goal? So starting to think more big picture about the copywriting that you can do around what they're asking you for to give them resources that go beyond what they've asked for. And I think also you have to be willing to talk to clients in a way that is, I always say, this is your business. And you can make whatever decision you want. But in my opinion, right, like based on my expertise, this is what I would suggest. And then you start changing from someone who's taking orders to someone who's making, who's shortcutting all of those ideas and tactics and all the things swirling around in their heads. And I also like to take it a step further. I like to create without asking. I notice you're doing a sales page. Have you thought about these, 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 these things? I'm the queen of hyperlinking in a Google Doc articles that show why those things are important so that I can upsell them on the things that they need, but don't know they need and showing why they should push that to the top of the pile. So it really just takes initiative. If you're listening to their problems, you can find the solutions before they ask you for them. And then you're a strategist.
0: So what other things have you done in your business to help you grow? Mentioned the accelerator. Yes, You've talked about some of the, the experience that you've built on. What other things have you used to leverage and and to go where maybe you wouldn't have been able to go a year ago?
2: The biggest change started with the um, TCC IRL. And I was there with Kelsey, another accelerator member. And we decided we were going to create Free Think Tank, just like some of the members on the panel did. And we also chose Lene, which is another, I know she's in Think Tank now, Real Think Tank, Paid Think Tank. And we're on Marco Polo every day, and we text every day, and we hold each other accountable. And we do strategy sessions and breakout sessions with each other. And we encourage one another to take risks and to make decisions. And we create deadlines for one another. And we really collaborate because that was the missing link. Once I became a copywriter who knew other copywriters, everything changed. I was able to get clients. I was able to get referrals. I was able to have someone look over my copy when I was like, this is a little wonky and I don't know why. (laughs) So what's going on? You have more experience. Would you mind looking at this? I think we really underestimate the power of having a network. There's someone who knows the answer to every question that you have. Put yourself in spaces to connect with those people and find your favorite people. Everybody doesn't have to be your favorite, but if you can get depth in those relationships, it it will, it'll pay you in droves. After TCC IRL, I did tons of coffee chats. I worked with Rebecca Gunter doing positioning. I drove down to Jude's house while my family was going to the beach. And we did like a whole strategy session and he helped me with my business. And now he's like my little brother. So like, I just really in my own introverted way, cause I needed very one-on-one. I wasn't ready to be like on a platform, but I was just like, Hey, will you be my friend? Will you help me out? <laughs> Can we talk more? can we talk outside of zoom? Right. So that I don't feel like we have to be all dressed. Um, And those are, that's what really, really helped is developing relationships and deepening my network. And I just, that's something that I will continue to do year after year. I know I will always be in some kind of group program. I will always be going to TCCA IRL and other live events because that's what changed my business.
1: Yeah. I almost, I wonder if there's something, some advice you have about how to, I don't like the word leverage, but leveraging those relationships, because I also know of a lot of copywriters who do have strong relationships with other copywriters, Mm -hmm. uh, especially coming out of the accelerator program, but they don't always tap those relationships and ask for help or even just show up. And I don't mean like use your friends, don't use your colleagues, but show up and ask for what you need when you need it. And I think there's a a missing opportunity there for a lot of copywriters who already have the network. So what would you suggest they do so they can ask for help when they need it? I think giving first.
2: I think the easiest thing to do is ask if there's anything that you can test, you can look over, you can help with. And I mean like unpaid, like you're not asking for work, but you're saying, hey, is there something that I can take off your hands? Um, I'm also a big fan of asking to shadow. The worst they can say is no. But hey, I'm really confused about this process, and you're doing it already. Can I look at your recording to see what you did? Like, if you don't feel comfortable with me being on with the client, which totally makes sense, but I know you have it recorded because we record everything on Zoom. Can I see what you're doing? I promise I won't tell anyone. I'll, you know what I mean. Offer a testimonial. I'll sign an NDA. Right, I'll, I'll sign that. NDA, yes. But can I just take a peek? I think so. With my background being in acting. I'm not really afraid of no, because I can't book every job anyway. And so that's something that helps me to just, the worst you can say is no. And I'm also really willing to do whatever I can to help. So if, we, if you want to swap, hey, I'll write your welcome sequence. I'm really good at emails. If you can teach me what you do, I will write your welcome sequence. Barter, you have to realize that there's give and take, but everyone has something to offer. You have a network. You have skills. You have an opinion you have perspective. So think about the things that you have to offer and then offer them. And then that'll make you feel better when you're asking for something.
0: I think that's great advice. So as we're getting started in the new year, what are you doing in your business next? What is the thing that you're most excited about?
2: I'm so excited. So I created a VIP day format that is all on offer strategy. I call it a spotlight and it's to help you go from idea to plan We meet together for one day, and then I have a report that'll take about a week for me to compile, and it has resources and a complete customer journey, and I like to take into account not only this is the offer, like the skills that you have in the audience that you want, but what my personal perspective is that the thing that's usually missing is your lifestyle and the liabilities, like the things that are non-negotiable in your life, so I take those things into account as well to help you create either If you're looking for a digital product, let's create the right digital product for you and let's name it because I love frameworks and naming things. Um, Or if it's your signature offer, let's create the signature offer that fits your lifestyle. Like if you're someone like me who only has 10 hours a week, you can't have a signature offer that takes four weeks. Like you don't have that. So let's find something that fits not only like your skills and your expertise and your audience, but you, your life, how much you need to make those things. So really just doing a deep dive over Zoom, workshopping out all those ideas. And then I package it into something, something that you can present to the world in a complete funnel because so many copywriters don't have funnels. And that's why we hear people like, I'm, go- I'm on social media and I don't know what's happening. Well, it's because that's only one part of the funnel that's just traffic, but it's not conversion. So we have to add the rest of the funnel to complete that process so that you can bring clients from your social media to the next stage.
1: That sounds like the perfect, perfect offer for you, especially the naming part. I just yeah, remember being around you at um, TCC IRL and you had all, all of these brilliant names. So I feel <laughs> like You're my you. go-to person for naming. Well, um, uh, my last question about related to accelerators, you know, you've shared so much about your experience in this program, but what surprised you the most? What were you not expecting um, that you're like, oh. That's, they, they should have told me that I was going to get this because that's kind of nice. How much we would interact
2: with we, with each other. That was like the hidden gem that I'm like, oh, I have all of these people who are in the accelerator are so cool. Like they have so many cool stories, backgrounds, their last jobs, their families, their homes, even their offices. Like I just got to meet so many cool people. And then we keep coming back together every time there's a live like um, a Zoom for our next event. And you're like deepening these relationships with coffee chats and with your um, breakout groups and all of these things. That was the hidden gem that it was like, oh, you have a network. And when you're on LinkedIn, there's, these are people that are going to like your posts. And when you have a new offer and you want to test it, these are the people that'll go behind the scenes and make sure your dub is not all wonky. So it's it's the people, like I knew I was going to get a plan and you talk about the plan. So that I did, like you, you didn't let me down on that, but I just didn't realize how much having the other accelerator members was going to change me and my business for the better.
0: It's funny that you say that because a lot of people mention that almost everybody mentions that that's like the number one takeaway, but it's never the thing that people are looking for when they jump in. It's always, you know, I need help with my business. I need help to grow. And the the two are definitely related. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's good to see. Okay. So you've talked, you mentioned that you love frameworks a couple of times Let's talk about your framework. You've got a framework.
1: I have lots of frameworks. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. how a many favorite. frameworks? How yeah. many frameworks do you have?
2: I have a number. I can look through my notes. I know there's at least 10 I've created, right? Like I've created, I was on AMPS for a little bit, which was um analysis, messaging, positioning, experience, and design. And that's the process that I take a client through when I'm creating their offer. Um, I'm workshopping now the four L's for that VIP day, which is, I know I said already lifestyle, liabilities, your lexicon on your list. So those are the things that I'm trying to spotlight to help you go from idea to offer to plan and then present that to the world. Um, when I was doing e-commerce, I loved claps and clients really like that. And that was,
1: was claps. Oh, Oh, I like that one. Well, that. Yeah. But that was how to get
2: your audience to basically clap for your products. E commerce world, and that was. I mean, who doesn't want
1: claps, right? Yeah. right. I, mean, I want all the claps.
2: It was customer obsession, long term commitment, alignment, partnerships, and then the S actually was four part it was your stories, your sequences, your socials, and your SMS. So, all like your messaging the
0: claps. But- <laughs> That's, good. That's
2: good.
0: Yeah, I like it. But, like, so- yeah it's, it's interesting. I mean, obviously this stuff comes pretty easily to you as you figure it out or you you think through processes. Why though, why do you lean on frameworks, uh, you know, and how do you use them in your business?
2: I Because I sit down to my laptop and I forget what I'm supposed to do. It's like, what is my job again? What are you doing? What did you say you were offering them? So it gives me something tangible, right? For the e-commerce client, it was, you said you were going to help them get claps. So how, is there, how are you going to get their audience clapping? So then I could go through each of those letters and make sure that I wasn't missing any part of the process or for the four L's for the VIP days, like these are the things you said you were going to focus on. Did you cover them in this workshop? If you did not, we need to go back and make sure you cover them. So it's more so just like insurance for me because it helps me stick to the process when on days where I have brain fog or I'm scatterbrained or I'm distracted or overwhelmed or however I might feel. Um, It just helps me to solidify my thoughts around a process so that I can clearly, in my messaging, tell them this is the process that we're going through. And then in the process, stick to the process and not try to reinvent the wheel and miss out. Yeah, no,
1: that makes sense. Frameworks are really, they're for their sales tool. It's for the client to have, help them have confidence in us, Mm -hmm. but it's also for us. So we have confidence in what we're doing. So it works both ways. Um, I am curious what you struggle with today, because we've talked a lot about so many things that you've done well and, um, and your new offer, but where are you today? What's hard for you at this point? I don't
2: have any time. And I know a lot of people can relate to that. Like I really have mom guilt. I want to be the best homeschool parent ever. So we're never home. We're always at a museum or with a homeschool group or, you know, traveling somewhere. Like I, I really don't want to sacrifice the relationships in my life for the sake of my business, but I also want to give my business my all. So that is the thing that I'm always trying to balance and remind myself that, there are going to be days where you give 80% to your business and 20% to your kids. So you just take them to Disney World the next day. <laughs> like, it's just, it's what it's going to be. That's why you got annual passes. That's what you do. And that's just how I achieve balance in the long-term because on the day-to-day, there, it's just not always, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be pretty. And sometimes there's a deadline. Sometimes I over-promised on how much I could accomplish in a certain amount of time. Sometimes people get sick and then I can't work, you know, just life happens. So it's always just fitting it all in and and forgiving myself for not sticking to the process when I can't and just getting back on. Like instead of sitting in that and feeling guilty, it's like, all right, it, it happened. We can't change it. How do I reassess and get back on track and then communicate this is what needs to happen now, either to my family or to my client or even just to myself.
0: So it's kind of a, maybe a, a short question about finances and the time that you've had as you've grown your business. You've been doing this for a little less than two years as mm-hmm. a full-time copywriter. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about like what that means from an income standpoint over the course of the last year or two and the impact that that's had on your family. And not- and knowing also that you're doing this in like 10 hours a week. Yes. So uh, it feels like that's, that's pretty incredible actually.
2: So it's not... I don't, I'm not the breadwinner winner of my family, so I don't pay any actual bills. So my financial goals come from wanting to pay for extras. Like I mentioned, Disney annual passes or vacations or pay off a car or we just got a pool, things like that. So it's more so I've been able to pay debt. I am now paying off a pool that we just got finished a month ago, those kinds of things. And Also not having to put my kids into aftercare and summer camp and all those things. So I save a lot of money that way because I can be present and I can alter my schedule to work either early in the morning or late at night so that I can be present for them and do all of the things that my husband can't do because he's a lot busier. Um, And then money-wise, so I worked for not enough money. I can be honest, for a really long time, especially up until I did the TikTok and Upwork, I was willing to do a resume for a hundred bucks because I just was adding it to the pot and I wasn't trying to pay a mortgage. I just wanted to keep my skills up. But now that I've gone through the process and I have a signature offer, I've been able to really raise my prices. So I'm excited to see what happens next year because a sales page pays a heck of a lot more than a resume. (laughs) And now I have the skills to do that confidently and to, create that entire journey that can make someone potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars. So yeah, it wasn't as much, it doesn't move the needle. Like I'm not at six figures. I'm not there, but I have the time freedom necessary, but next year yeah. I want to have that.
0: I actually appreciate you sharing that because I think that so many people, you know, want to talk about money and it's this amazing thing. And for a lot of us, Sometimes we just need the things that cover the extra expenses, so that we have the freedom to do what we want. And so, seeing that side of copywriting as a, um, a vehicle for freedom, as opposed to a vehicle for tons of income or whatever, is uh, it's good to see that.
1: Yeah, and also the value behind being able to teach your children at home and be with them. I mean that that is priceless. Like that's what you're able to do. That's incredible. Um, and I'm curious, what is your tip for dealing with conflict uh, with children? How do you handle it as a homeschool teacher? Cause my two kids right now are going at it yeah. all the time. Cause they're so close in age. How would you deal with that as a teacher? Make them tired. It's exactly. time to swim. It's time to play
2: soccer. It's time to, I have been known. I hope this doesn't sound like child abuse, but I will make my kids do jumping jacks.
1: No, it sounds great. Okay. All right. So
2: I will, and I will make them smile. I used to have to do that when I was a cheerleader, we used to have to smile and do jumping jacks. So I will make them smile and sing and do jumping jacks, like whatever I can do to make them either physically or mentally tired. So it might be a lot like a, for my daughter it's going to be a page full of like counting money worksheets. Sometimes she's just at her brother's neck and I'm like ripping out the worksheet, like just do this, go to your desk in your room but really like making sure they're mentally and physically too tired to bicker because they're going to bicker. But once they are, I just feel like it's because they're bored. So it's like, okay, now you, oh, you need something to do. Let's clean the garage. Let's clean your bathroom. Let's do jumping jacks. Let's do laps. Let's run. Let's run around the block. Let's walk the dog, whatever it is that I can get them out of that environment and into another space where they're going to get tired. Tired kids are happy. That's, that's my thing. I'm trying to always tire them out.
0: Yeah. More good advice. Okay. My final question for you before we run out of uh, our our hour here, if you could go back in time, Tara, and give yourself some advice, maybe, you know, you're going back uh, two years. So just starting out your copywriting career, what would you tell yourself to do differently or to do faster or, you know, some other change that might make your success even, you know, even more, uh, um, enjoyable.
2: Um, I'm a big fan of daily pitch, daily challenge, like the, how I did that TikTok challenge. I would, I wish two years ago, I would have started out with just cold pitches every day. And instead of just reaching out to my network, it still didn't require me to do the website and LinkedIn and all those other things, but just gaining experience in that way, instead of with something that was very narrow, and I was already doing cold pitch, it doesn't hurt anything. Like, the worst they can say is no or not respond. So just cold pitch, I, a daily pitch, a daily tweet, like just output, more and more output instead of input. Because I took every course, every course. I took every course. I, I did every, I read every book, all the master classes, all the challenges. I did all those things. And I just wish I would have put them to work faster because as soon as I put them to work this summer, everything changed. I made more money. I got clients and I got clarity on what I was good at so that I could move closer to what I really, really want to do. And I didn't know that before then. And that only came after I started to do, just create and do and put yourself out there every day.
1: That's great advice to end this conversation on. So where can our copywriter friends go if they want to connect with you?
2: My next challenge is going to be LinkedIn. So that's what I'm working on. So yeah, LinkedIn, I'm Tara Lasseter. That'll be the next place where I'm taking the things that I learned from TikTok, adding video, but really just doing output and creating an audience there. That's my next challenge.
1: So they can meet me there and we can have fun. All right. We will meet you on LinkedIn and thank you for, oh, so you shared so many, so much great advice today. Um, I'm taking a lot away from this conversation. So thank you for showing up and being part of the accelerator and really fully showing up and engaging with the community. We- couldn't ask for more than that. So thank you, Tara. You're amazing,
2: Tara. Thank you. Oh, no, you two are amazing. It's, It's a privilege and an honor and it just changed my life. So I'm just so grateful to both
1: of you. Thank you. That's the end of our interview with Tara. But before we wrap, there are a few more things we want to cover because we love this interview and we want to talk more. So I'm going to start with Uh, So many of the ideas uh, that Tara talked about are visual. And so as a visual person, this really resonated with me. And I think there's some ideas that anyone listening who is also a visual person can pull into their business. Um, One of them is color coding her processes and um, I think she mentioned Asana, I'm not sure where she's using her project management tool, but creating a color for each stage of the process, each part of the framework, so that Tara always knows where she's she is in a project and the client always knows where, where they are in the project. And I think something as simple as that could go a really long way um, for to help the client feel confident in you as a service provider. And then she also mentioned uh, how as a strategist, she's always thinking about the big picture and the plan. And, you know, she she said copy fits into a plan, but copy is not the plan. And so I think she, it's brilliant that she develops a cohesive plan for her projects before she jumps into the copy and she develops it through a visual platform. She uses Canva, but like how wonderful to be able to present a plan to your client, a visual plan to get a sign off and to like get that boost of confidence to get them to feel really excited about a project and the game plan before you even get into the weeds and start writing the copy. So again, I just, I pulled away a lot of details about how she thinks visually that I know I could I could use.
0: Yeah, that idea about copy fitting into the plan, it's not the plan, or copy is a tactic, it's not a strategy, got me thinking about business strategy. You know, goals are often confused for strategy, where we say, yeah, we want to make $100,000 this year, or I want to work with such and such clients this year. And that's not a strategy either. In fact, most businesses, corporate, america corporate world whatever don't actually have strategies you know they they confuse goals or mission statements for their strategy they'll say uh, things like we're gonna we're gonna grow in order to continue growing you know not necessarily in those words but that's what their mission statement will say, or we're going to be the best at something without actually talking about how or what they're doing differently, and how that compares to their cost how that compares to their competitors, how they help their customers achieve something differently, what they're going to be doing, you know um, in various economic circumstances, all those things that actually play into a strategy, we kind of forget. And copy is one of those. You know I'm going to start a copywriting business. And that's the that's the first part, but how are you going to succeed? Takes a strategy, and you know it's something that uh, takes a lot more thought than just saying, "Well, I'll go find some clients, and I'll you know write good copy, and we'll call it good."
1: Yeah, and she offered some tips to help us really step into that strategy role, especially if it doesn't come naturally, but you're still interested in it. It could be as simple as practicing on discovery calls, right, on your sales calls when you're talking to someone, maybe even a friend or colleague who's interested in what you do. Uh, putting on the strategist hat or more of a consultant hat and asking questions and allowing yourself to maybe even ask new questions or even ask bolder questions or dig into their numbers. And I think the more that we can practice that in a safe place, which, I mean, I guess you could argue a sales call is not the safest place, but it it also could be because you can book as many of them as you want. Um, That could help you really lean into feeling like, feeling like you're a strategist and you understand what's happening in their business.
0: Yeah, that is easily the starting point. If you don't understand the business, if you're not getting that information front, it's really hard to have a strategic impact. You can still write the copy, you can still make everything sound nice, but really helping them to grow their business, to change their business in some way and having a much bigger impact is a lot harder if you're not figuring that stuff out on the discovery calls or when you're chatting with your clients.
1: Tara also shared an idea that I thought was so good about upsells, and she mentioned that she will hyperlink in Google Docs. So I don't know if it's in her copy doc, but she'll send a hyperlink to different articles. And maybe this is part of a plan. I'm not quite sure, but articles that um, support the ideas that she's sharing with her clients and ultimately upsell them into the things that they need, but they don't know they need. And I think that's such a great idea to provide proof of what else they could benefit from through articles that you're pulling together. So it's not even just saying, well, I think you need this, but it's like, here's what's happening in the industry. Here's what your competitors are doing. And here's proof that it actually works. So let's give it a go. And that's something that I I have not done myself, but I think it's super smart.
0: Yeah, I haven't shared that many articles. I think there's a great tactic for accomplishing you know, her strategy in her business, which is to work more with the clients that she loves. And if we're working with clients, well, the hardest thing about running a copywriting business is finding the next client. And so if you've got a client that you like, why not take the opportunity to say, hey, now that we've finished up this email sequence, we could also do something with your about page, or we could create some content for your blog, or you might need a sales page for this product that you're going to be launching in a few months. Be showing up and starting to suggest it before your clients start saying, oh yeah, we're gonna need this. Uh, it has a couple of really good effects. One, you, you might get more work, but two, Oftentimes, the rush and the deadlines are caused because a client gets to the point where like, oh, crap, I need this because nobody was thinking about it earlier on. And if you're showing up in that role that we've been talking about, the strategist, this helper, this problem solver, um, you can help them get to those points earlier on, give yourself more time to do things well.
1: One more thing that Tara's doing well that she she mentioned, and I hope it doesn't get lost in the conversation, is that she was talking about. We were talking about developing relationships, which she has done well. And she mentioned that sometimes she'll just ask someone, hey, can I shadow you? And that may mean, you know, I want to learn how you run your sales call. So can I watch a recording of a sales call? Maybe it, it means like, can I jump into another meeting with you to see how you, how you present copy to a client? Whatever it is, I think that is such a great question, especially if you do have Uh, other copywriters you're connected to. um, And this is the benefit of connecting to other writers is that you can ask them and you can see how other people are doing it. And then you can figure out, well, does this work for me or how can I adjust that? Uh, But I feel like that's a question that most of us want to ask, but we don't even think we have permission to ask it. So we just don't ask it. And Tara is bold enough to just put it out there and and that's how she's been able to learn so quickly
0: what's the worst that can happen somebody says no and you're in the same place that you were before right so this is the value of having good peers good mentors because you can reach out to them and learn from them on these things that you want to know more about
1: i would ask you rob if i could shadow you in your calls but i feel like i'm already on all the calls with you (laughs) You,
0: you i guess we're shadowing
1: we are each other's um, shadow
0: yeah you definitely don't want to follow me around but um yeah. Who knows? Maybe, there are definitely some people I can think of that I would love to shadow and see who are doing their business and maybe even sometimes in their personal lives uh, to accomplish. And that's partly why you and I have joined some people's programs. You know, it's because, oh, we know they're doing something well. We know they've accomplished something that we would like to do similarly. Let's figure out what it was that they did. Let's join their program. Uh, And I mean, we've been in three or four masterminds. Of course, we've been through some copy training and all kinds of different things that we've done because we want to learn from others. And it's just a great way to advance your business. Ask people if you can follow them or maybe not, don't even ask, just join their programs and figure out what they're doing.
1: And last note I want to hit on is the, the, the parenting advice that Tara shared with me. Um, that was really helpful and I have implemented. Um, so I had asked, you know, how to, I forget the exact question, but it was basically like my kids keep fighting. What do I do? And, um, Tara said I should make them tired, tire them out, which I thought was great advice. So I have been doing that and just like getting them involved in more sports. I am making Harper run with me. So, so the plan is working, and I just wanted to report back to Tara and say thank you. It's working.
0: It's yeah, it's good advice. Make your kids tired. For me, I just feel like, man, my kids are making me tired. I gotta reverse that trend in some way. Right, exactly.
1: We want to thank Tara Lassiter for joining us on the podcast today. If you'd like to connect with her, you can find her at her website, Tara She's also on LinkedIn. And we'll link to both of those places in the show notes. If you want to take action like Tara did and grow your copywriting business, you might want to join the Copywriter Accelerator waitlist. The program opens up later this week, so it's coming up fast and you might not want to miss out uh, if you want to build your business with us over the next five months. And we will also link to that waitlist in the show notes.
0: And we're looking for copywriters who want to be like Tara and really uh, start to grow. And if you want to listen to other conversations like this one, you can check out episode number 157. We interviewed Laura Lopich about cold pitching and episode number 269 with Lindsay Walker, all about overcoming rejection and pitching yourself with confidence. They're great episodes. Be sure to check them out.
1: And that's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed oh. by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you enjoyed this particular episode, please visit Apple Podcasts to leave your review of the show. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.
2: Copywriters coming together To help the world write better
0: Copy and make more money Kira and Robs Copywriters Club yeah. can make you lots of money